Warning, Me Time and Murder is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. <laughs> oh, for God's sake, here Dancing it goes. around him, reciting <laughs> poetry. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh my God. That's crazy. No. Why? <laughs> oh, well, big surprise. Oh, God. <laughs> Dead on the bathroom floor. Did it? It's okay. Oh. Uh, Trez, what are you drinking? Today I'm drinking the Barry's decaf tea with milk. Nice. Going old school today. What are you drinking? I am drinking my grapefruit iced tea with mint. Oh, yeah, nice. Uh, and what about your me time? For me time, I'm doing a hair mask. I'm doing the Pantene Intense Frizz Tamer. What about you? What are you using? I have got a JM Solution face mask on. Now, so Tres, today we have got a very special favourite listener supporter. I don't know how to say it. (laughs) Um, So we have got a new patron. Patron? Patreon? We've got a new patron of Me Time and Murder. Thank you. Mm -hmm. We actually have two new patrons. That means we've got three so far. So now, Me Time and Murder is officially breaking even. (laughs) Ah, (laughs) love it. Yeah. Um, No longer in the red. So this um, Stephanie Leader is our patron for this episode. And she has requested that we do the Acid Bath Murderer. Oh, yes, that's right. When I seen that, I got super excited. (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. it sounds like an awesome recommendation it is good okay it's well like when i say awesome i mean like awesomely scary (laughs) which is good because it's halloween today oh yeah we're recording on halloween very appropriate yeah do you know anything about this guy i do not and i feel like i should because it sounds like a flipping name of a movie doesn't it um mm -hmm. is it is it ireland or we're in england today England, okay, okay. Yeah. Whereabouts? We're at Lincolnshire, I think. Oh, no, wait, London. London. Oh, okay. I love say Lincolnshire. I always think of Lincolnshire sausages. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're in London, okay. Yeah, weird stuff like this would happen in London, wouldn't it? I know. Acid bath murder, it makes me think of like Jack the Ripper type of... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It also made me think of um, Breaking Bad. <laughs> oh my god yes oh, yeah <laughs> that episode i knew i was going to love breaking bad mm, what, what, that was oh. quite early on in was the show it was like yeah the second episode i think it was really oh, intense gosh, yeah it's like, what am I, what yeah am I watching? remember daddy refused to watch it, it. <laughs> yeah well you see it was, it was really intense <gasps> up front so uh-huh. i think they thought it was going to be like that the whole way through it yeah. kind of was <laughs> yeah i was like no daddy you have to like bear through it you can get through it Anyway, let's just jump into it because we've got a, it's a meaty one today. <clears throat> Apologies about my voice, guys, as well. I got some kind of flu. It's not COVID. I've done a test, but we're just going to have to bear with me. I don't think mm. you can get COVID through your headphones anyway, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll be okay. <laughs> okay, so John Hay Jr. was an only child, born on the 24th of July, 1909. So we're going way back. Mm-hmm. 
born in Lincolnshire and grew up in a little village called Outwood in Yorkshire. I don't know where those places are, but they're in England somewhere. And I've heard of them. Mm-hmm. <gasps> Yorkshire tea! Oh, Yorkshire tea. That's the best tea. Tea and sausages. Oh, <laughs> God, I love England. <laughs> <laughs> he had a mother, Emily, and a father, John Hay Sr., who was a talented engineer. John Sr. and Emily were devout members of the Plymouth Brethren, an extremely okay. strict and conservative Protestant sect. Have you heard about these guys? Don't think so. Wait, say the name again, what are they? Plymouth Brethren. Nah. No. Like the others who were brought up in the Brethren sect, John was brought up in a fanatically religious household where references references to the Lord were frequently used, reminding the young John that he was always being observed by a higher power, disapproving and vengeful power. So this like um, very strict Christian uh, thing, it was... It, it, it messed John up a lot. Okay. So John Sr., his dad, pointed to this bluish scar he had on his own forehead. And he told mm-hmm. John Jr. that in his youth he had been marked by the devil for sinning. <laughs> I don't know. Probably like a birthmark or something. I think so, yeah. His mother was not marked as his mother never sinned. Sure she didn't. <laughs> The young John Jr. soon became obsessed over every little error or misdemeanour, terrified of developing a similar sign of the devil. According to John Sr., the world was evil and the family needed to keep themselves protected and separated. So he built a six foot tall fence around the garden. Oh dear God. So dramatic, right? Six foot? That's the height of your boyfriend. Uh, Something like that, yeah. Yeah, John's six foot two. He could... Just about see over he could it. Peek out. <laughs> he could peek out. Jeez, that's a bit intense, isn't it? Isn't it? Can you imagine? Mm-hmm. But it also makes me think they could get up to dodgy things as well. I know you're sort of. Are you keeping people hidden. out or are you keeping yourself <laughs> yeah, in? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because of this big barricade around his house, poor mm-hmm. little John Jr. had a very lonely childhood. His only. F- I know. His only friends over the. Over the 20-odd years he lived at home were his few pets and the neighbour's dog. Stop. <laughs> he was a single, only child? Yes. Oh. oh, God. Wait, but what about friends at school? I don't think he made any friends at school. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Sad. John was only allowed to play the piano for fun. <laughs> Yeah, it's fun to a point. Uh, like, I know. Okay. Classically trained Christian music, of course, he could only practice. Oh, stop. Mm-hmm. And he was actually, like, really good. And he even, like, went to concerts. And he was so mm-hmm. talented that he won a scholarship for a grammar school. So No way. Yeah. Well, if that's all you had to do was play the piano all the time, you would be pretty good at it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I don't understand why. It's about to get real dark I'd just say okay it just seems but it sounds like he could have had a promising future with the whole piano thing yeah okay however the pressure from his religious parents and the brethren (laughs) sect was never far from John's mind John claimed that as a young boy he suffered from reoccurring religious nightmares god according to John his childhood nightmare went like this it was him standing outside surrounded by crucifixes (gasps) 
As he looked at the crucifixes, they grew tall and morphed into trees. He now stood. What? I know. What age is he? Say? I think he's like, like a boy. 10. Yeah, he's a boy. He, he now stood in a forest. The air became moist and dew appeared, or perhaps it was rain. It was dripping off the branches. As he approached the dripping branches to look closer, that's when he realised the dripping was blood. The whole forest became darker. The trees started to move and writhe in pain and ooze blood. John could see a man in the forest. He was going from tree to tree, collecting the oozing blood in a cup. The cup became full of blood. The man approached John. Drink, the man said. John stood petrified, unable to react, unable to move. Then he would wake up. What do you think of that nightmare? That for a 10-year-old, that's intense. Mm -hmm. I did always think that the crucifixion story was way too adult to be told to children, but yet it was. I don't know if it still is. It probably is. Yeah. Um, it, 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 It stuck with me. I don't know about you. What? It really upset me, the crucifixion story. Jesus being think, crucified. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I think we, we we need to think about what age we tell children that story. Um, But I was also thinking of whether do you have a dream that was that childhood reoccurring dream. For me, it was a carnival setting and I was being chased mm-hmm. and going down like all these kind of windy slides which should be fun but not when you're being chased by a murderer <laughs> that was my dream that's what I made me think I haven't thought about that dream in years because like obviously not a kid anymore but that was my dream did you have one I had a reoccurring nightmare where oh god even when I think about it it still freaks me out where I am like a dead body and <gasps> yeah and I'm like in like a thicket of like brambles in a ditch Ooh. and I'm dead and I can f- I feel cold and oh. I can see I'm looking at like train tracks and there's like a train that goes past and like nobody knows I'm there and the train just goes whizzing, whizzing past and I'm dead and I can't move oh my god that sounds like stand by me yeah right maybe it was that maybe that scared me maybe that's where it came from yeah I've never had a movie where I'm dead, that, or a movie, uh, a dream. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I had another one as well where I was in like a prison type thing. <laughs> and if you, you watch a prison break. <laughs> prison break. All my nightmares come from TV. I have a movie TV. that was very similar to Prison Break, by the way. You should watch it. But like in my dream, if I touched the wall for some reason, like I couldn't escape. And if I touched the wall, I would turn into an alien. Okay, Maria. <laughs> taking drugs at this point yeah but the dead body one was the most reoccurring it was really freaky okay mine was the carnival one so anyway so your man's dream at 10 years old is very telling i think for where this is all gonna Mm -hmm. gonna go but then we all have messed up dreams it doesn't mean you manifest them and you yeah start although it doesn't sound like he's going to act them out because the acid bath doesn't really sound like a lot of blood I don't know yeah I'm very interested to see where this is going to go after high school John worked as a motor engineer apprentice for a short time then when he was 21 he dabbled in office work but was promptly fired after being suspected of stealing the cash box oh dear I thought you were going to say like post-its or something (laughs) okay he stole the money that's pretty bad yeah 
As John entered his early 20s, he noticed he noticed that his questionable and unchristian behaviour, lying, cheating, stealing, did in fact not leave a mark of Satan on his forehead. <laughs> he thought, hmm, perhaps my father was lying to me all these years. Perhaps God didn't watch me all the time. And maybe he didn't care that I sinned. Or perhaps God doesn't exist at all, thought John. John's thinking. Mm-hmm. But just because there's not somebody watching you at all times doesn't mean you can do heinous shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Either. <laughs> I know. It's like he's gone the total opposite way while he's going to go. Mm-hmm. Mm. John felt freed from his prison. He felt he could do anything he wanted and he felt like he was invincible. He, he lived yeah. under such scrutiny, such rules and uh, yeah. fear. And now he's older. He's like... I can do anything I fucking want. Uh, oh my god. In 1934, when John was 25, two major life-changing events happened for John. The first major life event was in July. John married 23-year-old Betty Hammer. John That's such a cool name. I know, it reminds she me of... She sounds like, like a rock star. <laughs> Betty Hammer. Yeah. John and Betty had only been dating for a short time and barely knew each other. However, she shrugged off her doubts. John dressed well, he had excellent manners, and was very charming. <laughs> tick, tick, tick. Married. He, oh my god. He, he, what year is this again? 1934. Ah, yeah, yeah. Different times. He was middle he, class. If he dressed well, you'd marry him. And, and he's like super, like, he's like middle class from a respected Christian family, like, yeah, you know, and he's got a trade, okay. you know. He's and the dad's got a trade yeah. in the business and stuff like this. And you're Looks like, good on paper. Yeah. The second major life event was in October. A few months later, after getting married, he was arrested and sent to prison for fraud. <gasps> what did he do? I had a look, and it's hard to know, but okay, he used to like pretend to be like a lawyer or a doctor and like he used to always pretend to be professional and then like people would give him money and he'll give them bad advice <laughs> and then yeah you do shit like that back in the day yeah. couldn't you poor betty had her doubts about john's character but didn't think he was duping people out of money then while in prison betty finds out that she's pregnant and she gives birth to a baby girl Betty immediately places the baby up for adoption. Oh. Yeah. Betty met John one last time in prison. She wanted a divorce. John told her, look, we were never married in the first place. What? <gasps> uh-huh. So she left. It, it, it was a fake marriage? And the thing is, is that it wasn't even a fake marriage. He just lied to her and they were still married. <laughs> oh, yeah. this guy. Yeah. Come on, girl. You need to look into these things. Oh. See, I see how she could believe that, though, because he had frauded other people. And yeah. she's just like, oh, he's frauded me as well. Mm-hmm. But you got to look into these things. Oh, my God. John's family ostracized ostracized, ostracized him after that onwards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they never spoke again after that. They were embarrassed about the fraud. The fraud and ex-husband and the baby was put up for adoption. What a mess. All in one ex-wife, year. ex-wife, isn't it? Yeah, he's an ex-wife. He's got an ex-wife. He's an mm. ex-con. Well, he doesn't. <laughs> but, oh, he does. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they've disowned him. Okay. Yeah, he's out. He's out. When John was I'd be released... happy to be out of that family. Yeah. So this is when he moves to 
London. Reinvent himself mm-hmm. in the worst way possible, probably. He's released from prison a few years later uh, in 1936 and he moves to London where he secures a job as a driver to an affluent man, William McSwan. Oh, I love that name. Great names, isn't right. this? Isn't there, right? <laughs> McSwan? What? McSwan. Love it. William ran a couple of amusement arcades throughout London, all owned by the McSwan family. With the two men spending hours alone together in the car, naturally, a friendship blossomed, which grew... Oh, I you going to say something else. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I sort of paused for, like, no reason. You, know, you, you set that up. Okay. Okay. Which... Bleh. Which even grew into a friendship with the McSwan family. So John has sort of got like a surrogate family. Mm -hmm. When the McSwans find out that John was an engineer, they were like, oh, well, they employed John to maintain the arcade games as well. This could have been a turning point for John, but no. He wanted more money and power and he wanted it now. He didn't want to work for it. He wanted it immediately. So to the disappointment of the McSwans, he left. He decided to be a lawyer. He had, of course, read many law books while in prison. So he went and set up a fake practice, pretended to be a lawyer, fake diplomas, and he doled out information on all these poor, unsuspecting victims. Oh, God. He also sold fraudulent stock shares, saying the stocks were from the estates of like these dead clients. And of, cl- of course, these estates and clients and these stocks did not exist. He was just swindling people out of money. His scam was uncovered by a quote-unquote client who noticed that John had misspelled Guilford on his letterhead. He spelt it Guilford instead of Guildford. Just like, come on. Why did that alert him? Well, like, he's meant to be a lawyer and he's got a practice. And it's like, and the address is like in Guilford. But he spelled Guildford wrong. The address of the practices in Guildford? Yeah. Oh, you're getting your, your own practice. That's just like, oh, you're, okay. you're getting your own, yeah. On the letterhead, yeah. so it's like, you know, the stationery yes. where it's printed. Yeah. And, and that's actually legal information at the bottom of a letterhead, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, so I understand now why that alerted him. Okay. I can't believe it was a spelling mistake. I mean, I, I know, it's, it's so avoidable, yeah. John received a four-year prison sentence for fraud. While John was raking in money during these schemes and frauds, he enjoyed living lavishly, staying in hotels, drinking and eating out, and he loved to gamble. So, while incarcerated, John obsessed over new schemes to become rich quickly. He didn't want to work and save for a living. In 1939, just after the start of World War II, John was released from prison again. While on parole, he stayed with the Stephen family, where he began a relationship with their teenage daughter, Barbara. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so John is like 30, and this teenager is like 13. I know. So, yeah. And did did the parents know? Uh, I think so, yeah. Okay. John continued to fraud people out of money, impersonating a lawyer and an investor, Starting businesses and taking money, then just closing the businesses and leaving. And then, wouldn't you know it, he was arrested again. So this is like John's third or fourth time in prison. And he's getting bitter. He's getting really bitter that he keeps winding up in prison. Okay. 
And he figures that the problem is, is that his victims are squealing on him. And this is why. If they were not alive... Oh my god. This would not happen. So while in the prison library, John came across a biography on notorious French murderer, George Alexander Surrette. George Alexander Surrette, like John Hay, was a swindler and fraudster who graduated to murder when he started pulling life insurance scams. This French murderer, he had disposed of his bodies using sulfuric acid. Here we go. Mm -hmm. Obviously, George didn't get away with these crimes because we we know about him. George's sister Mm -hmm. had told on him and he was found guilty and beheaded. Despite George mirroring John's life, this beheading did not put John off. He was like, no, this is it. I can do it. All he needed to do was to make sure that no one else knew what he was up to. George's problem was that the sister squealed on him. You just Mm -hmm. don't tell anybody that you're dissolving bodies. There's other ways of finding out. Mm -hmm. No body, no crime, John thought. Mm, He hasn't really thought this through. Mm -mm. With plenty of time and access to sulfuric acid from the prison tin workshop, John started experimenting. Wait a minute, he had access to acid in the prison workshop? Mm Mm-hmm. Isn't that bananas? Okay. I know. I feel like that's just like so dangerous that you could throw it at a guard or another prisoner or something yeah. like that. Ridiculous. He started experimenting on mice. Oh, stop. I know. He would take notes and timings of the effects that the acid had on the rodent's skin. Oh, dude. Mm-hmm. Eventually, John worked his way up and he was able to calculate that a cup of acid would take only like 30 minutes for the mouse's body to fully dissolve. That was so gross. In 1943, John was released from prison and snagged himself an accounting job at an engineering firm. A year later, when John is about 35, he has a car accident, and in this accident, he was struck in the head. As he lay in the car, the 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 blood from the head wound trickled down his face, and went into his mouth. Oh. This reignited the blood-filled nightmares he had had when he was a child. After the car accident, John decided to get the ball rolling on the sulfuric acid murders. He rented a basement on Gloucester Road, converting it into a death workshop. One day, while at the pub, he had happened to bump into William McSwan. Remember the man he used yes. to chauffeur for? Yes. So, remember, they had become quite friendly. John was even friendly with William's parents, Donald and Amy McSwan. During a later McSwan family reunion, the McSwans told John of their recent investments in property. They no longer were just running arcades, but were now renting out multiple properties. And William, their son, was collecting their rents. John was jealous of William, handed a cushy job and lifestyle, John thought that should be him. After socialising with William for a few weeks, John carried out his plan. On the 9th of September, 1944, John lured his friend William down to the death workshop he had built on Gloucester Road. When William had his back turned, John picked up a lead pipe and cracked (gasps) William over the head with it. Oh, God. Instead of just killing William, 
John had a taste for blood in his mouth. He then pulled out a knife and slit William's throat. John grabbed a mug off the table Stop. and caught Stop the trickling blood Stop. and drank it. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, it was just a dream. You don't have to... Yeah. What? Yeah. How can a, a dream affect someone that much that they want to recreate it? That's I know. so weird. I know. It's so weird because to have two different tropes, like, so he's the acid bath guy. Mm-hmm. We obviously know that's going to happen. But he's also this kind of, like, vampire guy, like, yeah. drinking the blood. Like, there's a lot going on. There's a lot. A thing. Like, yeah. what? what? <laughs> this story is bananas. <clears throat> I can't okay. believe it's not more famous. Yeah, I'm like, there's going to be an acid bath soon. We know uh-huh, that. Like, uh-huh. there's he's drinking a mug of blood right now. Uh-huh. It's abs- he's I got mean- a death workshop basement. Yeah. Ugh. Like, what the the fuck? Yeah, right. After John quenched his thirst, he rolled out a 40-gallon barrel. (sighs) Breaking Bad. I know. I was thinking of Breaking Bad when I was writing this, John. He shoved his dead friend inside it and then filled (sighs) it up with sulfuric acid. Stop. Of course, having only experimented with mice, John did not anticipate the overwhelming amount of toxic fumes. He nearly Ugh. passed out. He had to run outside to, like, gasp for air. Oh, boo-hoo. <laughs> how, how is he going to dispose of these barrels? He's going to put them on a truck or something? Or... <gasps> we'll just have to see. You know what I mean? You can't just, yeah. like, fill a basement with barrels of liquid people. I know, right? <sighs> Later, he covered the drum and went back home to sleep as his former employer and friend dissolved into a liquid sludge. Oh, it's disgusting. John let the acid dissolve William for two days. When John did return, there was little more than thick, lumpy sludge left in the barrel. John then wheeled the barrel out of the back, opened up a manhole and tipped William McSwan down the drain of Gloucester Road. Oh my God. I know. So would that be like the sewage or what would that be? Yeah. like, just the sewage, yeah? Isn't that disgusting? That's horrible. Isn't to it? that to someone? To Isn't them, it? mix them with the sewage. Oh, man. I know. Oh, so, okay, that's how he's disposing of them. It's actually smart, but it's disgusting. Yeah, I know. Uh, he must have, there must have been, um, that must have been quite close to him. The yeah, I think screen. he chose a basement mm. that, was super close to a... Yeah, because that barrel's going to be heavy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So John was actually quite pleased with himself after this. He didn't have oh. any regret or remorse. He, this was his oh, plan. It went very well, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, and it worked out. He had killed someone and removed all traces of them, and no oh. one was the wiser. Like, no one knew it was what was going on. Chuffed himself. Mm-hmm. John put on his best acting face and managed to convince Donald and Amy McSwan that their son had at the last minute decided to flee to Scotland as he was scared of being drafted. Remember, okay. World War II is still going on. Mm-hmm. The McSwans believed John. They, like, they had no reason not to. He was a family friend. They're like, okay, right. William must be really scared of getting drafted. So, okay, we'll see him if in a year or so. Mm-hmm. John committed to this bit. He sent fake postcards from Scotland pretending to be William. This pretending entered into the real world too. 
eventually he took over William's life. He moved oh into the McSwan family home. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Lived in William's bed. <gasps> yeah. And then took his job and started collecting McSwan's rent. Oh <laughs> yeah. God. It's like the talented Mr. Ripley, except it is. the family like are aware that he's like, yeah. Yeah. That. I love that movie. Oh, I love that movie. So good. Yeah, so good. I have to watch it again. It's been a while. Jan's mm-hmm. never seen it. Yeah, Zara only just seen it the other day. She was telling me. Yeah, it's a really good movie. I don't know why it's not more. I think it's like the, it I think it's the title. I remember Mummy would talk about the talented Mister Ripley, and it yeah, sounds like th- a period drama. I that's what I was just about to say. I think you thought it was a period drama. Yeah, yeah. And I was yeah. Like, I'm not watching that, all your frilly frocks shit. I, I know, don't watch but it's actually such a good movie. Oh right. <laughs> yeah. Where are we? Oh yeah. However, this was not enough. Taking over William McSwan's life, uh, taking his job and his home and his parents was not enough. He was biding his time. John was ready for his next kills. Who do you think it will be? Oh, God. Who do you think he's going to kill? Is it someone close to him? or Mm -hmm. God, like his father or something? Oh, no, no, no. No. He is after Donald and Amy McSwan. Ah, jeekers. He wants to take the whole family out. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh-huh. And is that beneficial? Has, has he got them to put him in the will or something? Or um, No, no, he's not in their will. Oh, why does he want to kill him? But he was biding his time. He had a few upgrades he wanted to invest in. He was in no rush. He bought a stirrup pump. So I didn't know what that was. It is... I've heard... Okay. It is the pump that you pump with your hands and it looks like a pogo stick okay so he bought that so he's like investing like he is not he has no remorse yeah. like no doubts about murdering with- is that to pump the sludge out yeah so he's like how can i make this easier for me to do dude oh it's like so premeditated he yeah. also bought uh face gas masks so he could <gasps> breathe. He didn't get overwhelmed by the fumes again. Dude. If he took this energy he has, and if he put it towards, you know, actually working a real job, or so, you know, like so, I know, you know, this is way more work than you know being an engineer. Why wasn't he just an engineer like his dad? I don't know. I guess this sparks something in mm-hmm. it. And he also bought the infamous steel bathtub. Ooh. Mm. Mm-hmm. God. So it's been a year since he killed William and he's been just living his life. Um, and the McSwans, the parents, they start to become curious as to why their son had not came home yet. The war was mm-hmm. coming to an end and he definitely wouldn't be <laughs> oh, drafted. So maybe this is why he has to kill them? I think it's a little bit of both. Okay. Yeah. They're asking questions and John is just like, ah, right, now's the time. John needed to get Mm -hmm. the McSwans to the death workshop on Gloucester Road. So John told Donald and Amy that William had actually returned for a surprise visit in secret. And William was like, no, no one can find out. It has to be at night time, has to be very secretive because he is still convinced that he's going to be drafted, says John. So the McSwans are like, "Okay, whatever. Yes, I want to see. We want to see our son. So John convinced the McSwans to come to the basement to meet William. That's where William is. The excited McSwans agreed and they rushed there to see their son. As Donald and Amy stood in the basement, 
John thumped the pensioners in the face and head. But the ritual was still not complete. Again, John slit their throats, gathered it, and drank their blood. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of blood, two people. Also... It is warm at that point as I well. Know. That's disgusting. Uh, I never Isn't even realised that. how disgusting that is? It didn't even occur to me that it would be warm, yeah. It would be warm. Like, blood, like, I feel like we've all tasted blood, right? It's mm-hmm. not, like, the worst taste in the world, but if it's a cup full of it and uh, it's warm, oh, dude. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, no, that's, that's disgusting. Mm-hmm. Mm. John then lifted and slid the couple into the new steel bath. He put on his new face mask and pumped the bath full of acid. When William's parents were dissolved, he drained the bath into the gutter outside. Oh my God. John wasted no time to claim the McSwan's pension checks. He was also able to forge their signatures and sign all of the McSwan's property over to John Hay, which he promptly sold. So he sold all of their properties that they were making money mm-hmm. on. It's like he didn't even steal their life. He sold it all just for cash, for money. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's really motivated by money. Isn't he? Mm-hmm. John told the McSwan's friends and family the couple were vacationing in America. John then quickly cleaned and vacated the Gloucester Road basement. And like that, he was off. Oh. Mm-hmm. So he spent the money by living in the Kensington Hotel. And he would spend his days drinking and eating and gambling. What? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's motivated by money, but he is not good with money. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. There was properties he could have lived in and he decided to live in a hotel? Mm-hmm. What a lazy prick. He wanted someone to make his food every day. Uh-huh. What the hell? Mm-hmm. It's, it's quite... Is the Kensington really posh? Yeah. I think so, yeah. I didn't look it up. Okay. Should I look it up? It sounds posh. It's still there. Nah, it's probably not there. It does sound posh, yeah. But then things had names like that back then, though. <laughs> That's true. Oh, yes, it is. So, oh, it's very fancy. It's still White. there. The Kensington Hotel. Oh, God, he, he lived in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, so creepy. Wait, it can't be the same building. Do you think the building's still... Yeah. It does look like an old building, all right. Isn't London funny? Like, I I could say I definitely walked on that street, but, yeah. like, I probably didn't. It all looked the same to me. Yeah, yeah, a lot of London looks the same. Oh, it looks really nice. I do like hotel. these old-fashioned buildings. I think they're really pretty. Yeah, they're beautiful. Okay, so that's where he stayed. Oh, my God, could you imagine having a legacy like that? I know, right? It's Ooh. like the Cecil Hotel. It, that's just what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. I There's something about this hotel that... I'm I I'm really paranoid now. I need to look up what hotel we stayed in that time I was last in London. Because I swear to God, Miriam, no, it wasn't that. But I swear to God, I kind of wish it was that if I had a known. Okay. So he's at the Kensington Hotel, um, drinking and gambling his days away. Well, for that is for two years until he runs out of money. Oh my God! Isn't that bananas? Like he eaten through the McSwan's empire in. Two years. They built an empire and he squandered it in two years. That's bonkers. By 1947, he's broke. His plan had worked. He just needed to do it again. So enter the unsuspecting and younger couple 
Dr. Archibald and his wife, Rose Henderson. Loving these names. Archibald <laughs> and Rose. Oh and my God. that is where we will pick it up next week. I feel like it's not good for these guys. It's not no, looking good. It's not, no. Oh God. Nobody has a happy ending in this story, by the way. Okay. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to find out what happens to him in yeah. the end. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. Sure, we'll catch you on the next one, guys. Slana Walia. Bye-bye. Rate, review and subscribe. Rate, review and subscribe. Me Time and Murder would like to thank and acknowledge our sources that make this podcast possible. References can be found on our Instagram page. <laughs>